Welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. I'm Nick Batia, and today we bring on Jason Less. Jason is the CEO of Riot, uh, one of the largest Bitcoin miners in the world. Jason, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Nick. All right, excellent. I'm really excited about this episode. We have a we have a keen interest in the mining industry at the Bitcoin Layer. Really, what it comes down to is the the central force that are large miners now in this industry and what a voice that you guys are gaining as the as bitcoin ages basically and as your role as publicly traded miners really steps up into the spotlight so jason i want to start first by giving us a little bit of a background about yourself and riot what is riot how did you guys get into the business how did you get there Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question in that order then. So I, um, I was interested in computer science from a very young age. However, through studying computer science, I developed a uh, passion and a skill set around playing poker professionally. So I've actually, uh, starting in college, I played poker professionally for 14 years. And it was through poker that I discovered Bitcoin. Um, back then, it didn't even have an ideological view of Bitcoin necessarily, or no one in the, I shouldn't say no one, but generally people in the internet poker community weren't even thinking about it as much as they were the utility of using Bitcoin. Bitcoin was simply the best way to move money around the internet and globally. So I, I got ex exposure to Bitcoin from just its, you know, straight direct use case as a medium of exchange early on. And as I used Bitcoin of you know, over the years, I started to get more interested in, hey, how does it work? Tapping back into that computer science background. I was interested in the problems that was that it was solving. And what happened over time is I developed such an interest in Bitcoin, I couldn't even focus on poker. Poker was fun, uh, was successful at that, did a lot of cool things. But I really realized Bitcoin is what I wanted to, to make my life about. And I started to study Bitcoin more, more, started to get involved in mining on my own, and eventually found my way into the advisory board at Riot. Uh, Riot was one of the first publicly traded companies in 2017 in this space. We we're mining Bitcoin from the very beginning, but we're also, uh, at the time, we're, we're involved in um, investing in different companies. We're looking at launching an exchange, a mining pool, a, a whole host of different things. So the, the focus wasn't quite narrowed in at that point. After uh, joining the advisory board, I joined the board of directors. And then over the next couple of years, the company went through a very major transformation. And in that transformation, we reconstituted the board of directors, the management team, and focused in on specifically Bitcoin and specifically Bitcoin mining. We made the decision we wanted to be a Bitcoin company. And the best way to do that was to focus on our Bitcoin mining operations. So I had the opportunity to become CEO of, the, of, of Riot through that. Now... Since then, um, Riot has completed a number of acquisitions and expanded its mining operations significantly. Today, uh, we own and operate a 700 megawatt uh, facility in Rockdale, Texas. It's, as far as we're aware, the largest uh, Bitcoin mining facility in North America by developed capacity, potentially the world. And we operate um, almost, we're gonna have 12 and a half exahash right in there by the end of the year. We have about 11 exahash right in there now. Um, we are now one of the biggest publicly traded miners, both in terms of hash rate, in terms of production, in terms of uh, a market cap. 
and we're doing some very interesting things in the power side as, as well. Uh, we have fixed power contracts that one, control our cost of power and allow us to uh, work through the volatility that you see in an energy market like ERCOT and benefit from curtailing our operations and trading power at certain times. And we also own our own electrical engineering and manufacturing company. So um, we're really proud of what we built here. We believe we are a leading Bitcoin mining infrastructure platform. We have size and scale of operations. We have a very low cost of uh, direct cost per Bitcoin uh, when you factor in our power strategy. And we've developed uh, significant financial strength by maintaining a lot of cash and uh, holding approximately 7,300 Bitcoin on our balance sheet. Today's video is sponsored by River. We are extremely proud to be sponsored by River. It is a Bitcoin only exchange, somewhere you can go to get allocated. And we love River for a few reasons, but most importantly, River does not use a custodian that is an external party. It uses its own method of multi-signature cold storage so that you and your funds are not exposed to the world of counterparty risk. Now, River even encourages you to get your coins off of the exchange as soon as possible. And they also have Lightning Network capability so you can get those coins off like that. Make sure you check out river.com slash TBL. Phenomenal. Jason, uh, tell me about the exahash. You know, the estimates of the network hash rate fluctuate around right now, but at 11 exahash, we're somewhere around the two and a half to three percent range. Okay. So two and a half to three percent of the total hash rate on the network, uh, a large, a large player in the industry. And you say that your operations are in Texas and you have this uh, enormous facility. I've actually covered it specifically when talking about the influence of Bitcoin mining in Texas at the legislative level. So mm -hmm. let's just start there with ERCOT. You mentioned the balance between you as a large consumer of power in Texas and the grid and other people on the other side of that. So just explain to a viewer that might not be aware, what does Riot have to do with public energy consumption in Texas? Sure. So one of the fundamental things that we believe at Riot is that Bitcoin is transforming finance and Bitcoin mining is transforming energy grids. And we are positioned at the center of that cross industry tra transformation here. Bitcoin mining is a very unique uh, type of load and a very valuable type of energy load because it is location agnostic and it is interruptible. What that means is you can put Bitcoin mining anywhere in the world. You know, we're sensitive to our cost of power. So Bitcoin mining is going to pockets of the world where that has low uh, energy costs, surplus power, and it has the flexibility to shut off uh, when needed to curtail is another word. We operate in ERCOT. ERCOT is a deregulated market that has a ton of wind and energy. Uh, it has a ton of uh, solar energy, growing amount of solar energy, and then it has base load generation sources as well. Energy grids have varying levels of supply of, of generation based on the environment at the time. When you have a lot of wind and solar, you are generating power um, uh, when, when the wind is blowing or where the sun, the sun is shining, but that may not always match up with consumer demand. Hey, you know, as a Bitcoin miner, we will buy power 
24 seven, you know, particularly at night when wind is generating power, but when most people aren't in higher, as high of demand for power. However, we also have the flexibility to shut off when wind and solar are not generating and additional capacity is needed at the grid. So what Riot and other Bitcoin miners have demonstrated in ERCOT, in Texas specifically, and, and of course, other parts of the country and, and internationally as well, is that Bitcoin miners will be taking power when it is in surplus and shut off when it is um, in, in, in higher demand and there's not enough supply to meet that demand. And there's been some really interesting graphs and research that's been put out to show this market response. Bitcoin miners are taking the volatility uh, in energy markets and reducing it by being reactive to that, those volatility swings in the market. So the way Riot accomplishes this is we have purchased, we have committed to these long-term low-cost power purchase agreements. They're not sweetheart deals. You know, we've just procured these in the marketplace at, in ERCOT. And we take those and we, one, have certainty over our costs for at least that block of power that we use. But when we curtail our power use, when we stop using power, we are earning credits based on the delta between our fixed power price and what the market price of power is. Additionally, because we have these fixed power agreements, we participate in something known as ancillary services in ERCOT, a type of demand response program. The easy way for, uh, you know, for, for listeners to think about that is it's, it's giving ERCOT the ability to, it's selling ERCOT insurance on, on, on load. You are giving ERCOT the ability to either keep you on or turn you off depending on what they need to balance the grid in that specific time. There's not other energy loads that can do that at the same scale as Bitcoin mining. An Amazon data center or some other type of data center, a big industrial process, you can't just turn off their energy uh, when you need to balance the grid. Bitcoin miners can do that. Um, historically, uh, grid operators like ERCOT have had to rely on getting these programs from fossil fuel peaker plants, from gas peaker plants, from batteries, uh, which you know, are more limited. Bitcoin miners accomplish this in, in a better way. So I think we are, this ties back into that um, vision, the way we think about the world with Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin is transforming the world of money and Bitcoin mining is going to be transforming the world of energy. And we're a part of trying to drive that. And that's what we're doing here as our strategy in Texas. Jason, this is a perfect segue to my next question, which is much bigger picture in nature. You as a Bitcoin miner, publicly traded Bitcoin miner, obviously you have a bunch of eyeballs. You have shows like the Bitcoin layer interviewing you, but you're going around the country and speaking with policymakers. And that's where my next question is. I know that you guys have an influence now. You have a voice. Where do where does Riot come in on legislative support? And where do you guys come in with the with the spirit of a fighter? Meaning there there must be efforts out there, legislative efforts, that you are fully supporting, even sponsoring or contributing to. And then you, there must be legislative efforts that you are vehemently opposed to. So take as much time as you want. Go through both sides of the coin. You guys have a very important voice now. So where are you fighting and where are you supporting legislative effort? And if you could, please address both state 
and federal uh, in, in your response? Sure. So at the foundation, Bitcoin miners simply want to be treated like all other companies or users of energy. That's it. Energy is a really key input to life and human flourishing. Um, I think it's a very slippery slope to decide who or what gets to use energy and how they get to use that energy. We, we have created a successful business here. Uh, we have a exciting strategy that can scale here really in the environment that we're in. So we don't require special legislation in order to exist and succeed. We simply want to be treated uh, like a normal company, like a normal user of energy. Um, so we'll, we'll start on the support side. The, the one piece of legislation that I think we have been the most focused on has been uh, the market structure bill that has been proposed in Congress. And for us, this is really simply accomplishes defining uh, these different types of assets and which regulator they fall under the jurisdiction of. Uh, Bitcoin is, I think, very clearly a commodity. Uh, I think it's very hard to argue at this point. And we think the industry and investors would benefit quite a bit from the federal government laying that out saying simply, hey, Bitcoin is a commodity, uh, therefore it is regulated by the CFTC. And that's that. I think that alone, some simple definitions, outlines, and I know there's other parts of that bill as well that address other parts of the industry, simply laying that, that those ground rules, that outline, I think would be very positive for the industry because I think there's a lot of investor money that stands on the side. And I'm not just talking about investing in Bitcoin mining equities, but in Bitcoin itself, because the lack of regulatory clarity around this, there's some part of people's minds some part of investors on the sidelines minds that still wonder, hey, is the government going to make this illegal or something like that or, you know, regulated to death in, in some strange way. So we think that's a positive uh, piece of legislation. Um, legislation that we are trying to avoid is, uh, for example, Senator Warren has introduced a bill that try that, that really comes down on the rights of users of Bitcoin trying to label miners as financial institutions, uh, trying to label uh, people self-custody, acting like those are financial institutions, node operators, software developers. That is a massive infringement on what it means to be a user of Bitcoin and really basic human liberty and freedom. So we think that would be very destructive to the industry. And even though that's not so much focused on Bitcoin mining outside of you know, would would unrealistically make Bitcoin miners have to uh, act like financial institutions. We are obviously opposed to legislation that's bad for Bitcoin. We are a Bitcoin company. Bitcoin success is very important to us. So those those are two examples of legislation that we're for uh, and against. Um, uh, one other uh, one other data point on the federal level. Earlier this year, the um, current administration rolled out a proposed tax on Bitcoin mining, um, a 30% tax, just picking out one specific industry. Obviously, that is something that we're against, and luckily that did not go through. But those are two of the things that we have been focused on opposing on the federal level. Uh, down to the state, we're very fortunate to operate in Texas, which is a very business-friendly environment and is in fact a very Bitcoin-friendly environment. 
Um, a lot of key politicians in Texas, up to the governor of Texas, have made statements about wanting to make Texas a Bitcoin capital of the world. So naturally, that resonates well with us. That makes us uh, really happy with choosing Texas as an operating environment. There have been certain legislative efforts this year uh, that would have been um, a, a negative for the industry, but did not ultimately go through. One example was this spring in the uh, legislative session, excuse me, legislative session in Texas, there was a piece of legis legislation introduced that would have limited Bitcoin miners' ability to participate in those ancillary services programs that we talked about earlier. That really just kind of arbitrarily singles out one player in this very large uh, space of ancillary services and uh, penalizes one for, for no real upside. That ultimately just results in a, a worse outcome for consumers because there's less competition uh, in ancillary services helping to drive price down. You know, I. I don't know what exactly drove that. You can probably look at lots of different business interests that would have motivated that, but that's something that um, thankfully, uh, based on the industry lobbying efforts and education efforts uh, stopped and did not go forward. Um, besides that, uh, we, so those are just some legislative examples that you were looking for. Besides that, I think we focus a lot on education and advocacy. Even if we're not pushing for a certain piece of legislation or regulation, even if we're not pushing against, pushing back against some type of adverse regulation or um, piece of legislation, we are out there investing in and educating the public, talking about the benefits of Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining and um, dispelling some of the negative uh, false uh, data points that come out there. So. We're very grateful for any opportunity to meet with lawmakers, to talk about what Bitcoin is, to talk about what Bitcoin mining is, to explain the benefits that Bitcoin mining drives and how proof of work is critical to uh, creating the properties that makes Bitcoin valuable. That's something that we've invested a lot, that we continue to grow our investment in and is a strategic priority for us. And I, you know, I, I'm Grateful that there's many other Bitcoin mining companies, other Bitcoin companies that uh, think the same way. There's no one else out there that's going to do it for us. You know, we 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 are all new in this industry. This is a growing and um, high opportunity, but infant industry still. And it's on all of us to kind of pave the way here and make sure that we don't find ourselves in some adverse uh, regulatory environment that stifles innovation and sends this industry and sends Bitcoin companies overseas. Jason, I think that there is certainly a momentum from the last five to 10 years of Bitcoin as an investment and an alternative investment to, or let's just say an alternative to the current financial system. That momentum is undeniable and has taken Bitcoin to the mainstream where it is today. But a similar momentum, I would say, doesn't exist when it comes to Bitcoin as a force for good in the specific ways that you're talking about with, let's just single out Bitcoin miners and their ability to assist in energy consumption dynamics and even production dynamics around the world. So would you agree with that, that we don't, have anywhere near the same amount of momentum, but then do you see any whatsoever? Are you participating in 
conferences or roundtables that you feel that momentum and people are starting to understand maybe pol policymakers or the public that Bitcoin can genuinely be a force for good from an energy, an entire energy industry perspective. Is that, does that exist? Yes. Well, first I'll start with just Bitcoin itself. I think there are smart and forward thinking lawmakers who understand this is a financial revolution underway. This is a tool, an asset that people, uh, more and more people are using and adopting. And you, you, you want to find yourself on the right side of history around that. You know, what, what, what is the record of history look like for those who are very opposed, you know, for example, the internet in, in the late nineties. Well, some of those same individuals are uh, against Bitcoin today. So luckily they have a terrible track record that we can point to. But I think the smart lawmakers uh, really see the momentum with Bitcoin that you're talking about. With Bitcoin mining, I think that's a great observation, Nick. The same thing isn't there. It causes people, it forces people to have to think a little bit deeper about how energy grids work. Very similar to the way Bitcoin forces people to think about how money works, how fiat currency works something they've taken for granted their whole life. Now they see this alternative and they think, wait, what was I thinking about before? What, what is this fiat money system? Bitcoin mining, similar with energy, forces people to think a little bit more about how does an energy grid work? How is energy generated, transmitted, allocated, supply, etc.? And I have been really encouraged with the conversations we've had explaining that benefit. For people that understand energy, I think they get it a, a, a bit quicker. Um, for others, I, I've really been encouraged to see the amount of blank slates that we've had the opportunity to educate and uh, talk about this with. Their mind isn't made up. They're curious about the benefit that this drives. I think we are seeing generators globally. We are seeing energy grids globally that see the benefit that Bitcoin mining has, and they are making moves to pull that along. So. Yes, Nick, I, I do see that momentum there. It, it, it often is a bit of a nuanced argument you have to make, which is challenging. Um, you're going to someone, you're saying, hey, this energy, this use of energy actually helps create more energy. It reduces the cost of energy. That's counterintuitive to some people. But there are a lot of open minds on this topic. And I think it becomes more and more relevant the greater um, proportion of fuel mixes that renewable energy becomes. Renewable energy, there's a lot of incentives around that. That creates a lot more volatility in energy markets because those are intermittent generation sources. The more and more renewable energy is developed and deployed across uh, the world, the more and more interruptible loads, flexible loads, location agnostic loads like Bitcoin mining become very important. So. Momentum is there, and we are very focused on driving that forward. Okay, I want to pull on the string of energy grids a little bit because this is something that at the Bitcoin layer, we're now sensing a theme. The theme is that publicly traded mining CEOs like yourself are all starting to agree that Bitcoin mining and energy grids are starting to merge as one entity and maybe not physically today but over the coming decades that this these two entities 
energy grids and Bitcoin miners are going to become basically one. Now, would you agree with that? And let's big picture. Do you agree with that? But then in the micro, when we think about energy grids and utility operators having a voice, I would argue that those voices would be louder than yours as a Bitcoin miner right now. And so are there grids and public utilities out there that are fully receiving this Bitcoin message and then going out to their government and arguing on your behalf? Is that happening anywhere in the country right now or in the world? Um, it, it's hard to answer that in, in a blanket uh, statement. I, I, I think the conversations there are a little early. I think everyone is um, is is curious and um, starting to learn more about it. I will start with talking about ERCOT, for example. ERCOT has developed a large flexible load task force focused on loads like Bitcoin mining and has investigated and researched a lot and worked with um, other institutions to see how this works with and it impacts with grids. Now, I'm not going to say that you know, these these bodies have have taken an outward position or anything like that. But I think that, you know, like we like we were just talking about, I, I think the momentum is, is starting to be there. I think that, um, you know, so, some things to look at here. It's estimated that one third of all energy that's generated globally is wasted. When I first heard that stat, it kind of blew my mind. Like that is a major inefficiency that humankind carries. One third of all generation is lost in transmission, um, has to be curtailed, etc. That that is that that is a problem that is waiting to be solved, and Bitcoin mining has helped has helped solve that problem. I think it really comes down to economics at the end of the day. Um, if you're a generator, let's say you're operating at ERCOT right now, and ERCOT power, looking at it right now, is trading at twenty three dollars a megawatt hour. Well, if you are a you know, nat combined cycle natural gas plant, your levelized cost of energy might be, you know, 40, 50, $60 a megawatt hour right now. You're losing money at this price. If you're on hedge, you're losing money at this price right now. What if there was an energy load that could take that power right now at some, you know, mutually beneficial price, but had the flexibility to shut off when the market really took off? Those economics are hard to ignore. What I think needs to be seen more, though, is that track record. And I think this ties into the public policy and regulatory points that we were just talking about. If you want a, a, a grid or a generator to really make an investment, uh, increase uh, their reliance on Bitcoin mining in some way, they, they want to be sure that this thing is going to be around for a while. So it really takes the companies in this space executing, executing the right way doing what they say they're going to do and building this track record of success. And I think like Bitcoin, it happens gradually and then suddenly. When one player starts to gain that competitive advantage that Bitcoin mining brings, then all others in the space will be forced to rush in along that to maintain, competitive, to maintain their competitive posture as well. So I'm very optimistic about the direction it's, it's heading. I, you know, I, I, I can't tell you specifically that, hey, this grid or th this company sees it and they're pushing on it. But I think we are moving in the right direction here. 
So let's lead with the ERCOT effort. Let's yeah. understand Texas as a use case. Let's flesh it out and let's have an empirical study and then show that to the rest of the country and the world. And I will also tell you, I, I, you know, I was in DC meeting with lawmakers a couple of weeks ago. I met with lawmakers who have said, hey, we got, we got energy here. Come to our state. You should come to our state and look at Bitcoin mining. And um, being in Bitcoin for a while and hearing something like that was kind of mind blowing to me, but it built a lot of optimism. There are people that are looking for Bitcoin mining to come to their jurisdiction to capture that surplus energy. So we are um, we, we are moving in the right direction. All right. Competition between states. Jason, the last question I have for you, what is the cutting edge of Bitcoin mining you guys are focused on right now? We've understood, uh, you know, different aspects of the industry from you, but talk about the tech side, the production of Bitcoin with your with your hash rate. What are you focused on? What's the cutting edge? So uh, Riot has built a reputation for itself for focusing on immersion cooled infrastructure. Uh, to your viewers who, or viewers or listeners who don't know, traditionally Bitcoin mining has been built in what's known as air cooled infrastructure, where you're trying to bring cool air over the machine, separating hot and cold aisles, and keeping them operating in that environment without using forced air or anything like that. You can't. You could do that in a traditional data center. It doesn't make sense in Bitcoin mining. The other type of technology, well, there's both water cooling and immersion cooling. In immersion cooling, you are submerging your mining hardware in a dielectric fluid that does not conduct electricity. And that fluid can be cooled and cycled around and keeps the miner operating at a cooler temperature than uh, the ambient temperature. So Riot, uh, two years ago, uh, actually almost exactly two years ago, uh, we think in many ways paved the way by announcing the world's largest development of immersion cooled infrastructure. We have two buildings totaling 200 megawatts of capacity at our Rockdale facility that is immersion cooled. Since then, we've announced building a new facility in a city called Corsicana. That site has a total of one gigawatt capacity. We're working on the first 400 megawatt phase right now, and that is all immersion cooling as well. We're going to complete that phase in 2024 uh, by the first half of, um, we'll have the hash rate up at least for the, for, that we've procured so far for the, in the first half of 2024. And so when that's completed, we'll have 600 megawatts of immersion cooled infrastructure uh, by the end of 2024. We think this is a very um, interesting way to accomplish Bitcoin mining. It's certainly not the only way. We, we make a big investment in these machines. Any miner, the biggest investment they make is in uh, the ASICs, the mining hardware uh, specialized for Bitcoin mining. We want that hardware to last as long as possible. We want to be able to operate in the extreme temperature environments that you'll see in Texas when it can go over 100 degrees consistently day after day after day. So um, we've invested in developing uh, immersion cooling technology. And uh, that has been our core focus as we build out in Corsicana. In addition to that, we have been working on a lot of tools for our own internal analysis and our internal decision-making. We have our own proprietary software for managing, monitoring our sites, uh, for monitoring power, for making decisions around that. We have a, a lot of tools we developed there. Now, that's proprietary. That's not something that we would have uh, ever market uh, outward, but 
it's a part of our main goal of developing an expertise and building the best op building the best Bitcoin mining operations that we can. Well, driving driving your margins uh, does have an effect on the industry, and so even though it's proprietary, I would argue that you seeking out the best operating margins and efficiency is a net positive for the industry. Um, Jason, I can't let you go without asking you one last question. Is it true that the carbon dioxide levels are in fact lower inside the Rockdale facility versus outside? <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that was a great video that our VP of research, Pierre Richard made. Um, we'll ha have to double check the, the, the measurements on that. The important point is that Bitcoin mining does not um, does not have carbon emissions. It, it's very interesting how critics have somehow described Bitcoin mining this way. You don't hear electric cars talked about in the same way. We don't hear there's been a push for electric stoves. I haven't heard about the carbon emissions of electric uh, stoves, but um, yeah, there, there we have de minimis to no scope one emissions. Bitcoin mining is entirely powered by electricity and Bitcoin mining is powered by a greater proportion of renewable energy than any other major industry out there. So uh, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. Uh, the facts are out there. Uh, Bitcoin mining, carbon free. You heard it here first. Jason Les, CEO of Riot. Jason, thank you so much for joining us today at the Bitcoin layer. Please tell the audience where they can find what you guys are up to at Riot. Sure. Thanks, Nick. And thank you for having me. Uh, best way to follow Riot, uh, of course, our website, www.riotplatforms.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Riot Platforms. And you can also find our YouTube channel uh, that uh, hosts a lot of videos that summarize our monthly production, uh, give tours of different things that the company has uh, undertaken. And we also have our own podcasts, you know, not to compete with you, Nick, but we have uh, the Riot Block Time podcast that's uh, hosted by Pierre Richard. We have some great guests on there, including a lot of Riot employees talking about uh, specifically what they do for the company. So if you're interested in learning more about Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining and the different opportunities within a Bitcoin uh, mining company, definitely suggest checking out. We have some great interviews on there. Absolutely. And Pierre is a friend of the show. We've had him on. We definitely suggest people go check out Pierre Richard's episode as well. Jason, thanks once again for joining us today at the Bitcoin Layer. Thank you for having me, Nick. Make sure you check out river.com slash TBL for all of your Bitcoin exchange needs. We love River and the way they operate. They use their own multi-signature cold storage solution so that your funds are not held on a third-party custodian's balance sheet. Thanks again for checking out the Bitcoin layer. I'm Nick Batia. We'll catch you next time.